Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back to part two of the Western Conference Finals MVPs since 2001. I believe the, excuse me, 2000. I believe the official title should actually probably be called Western Conference Finals MVPs and Magic Johnson Trophy winners, according to the official Thinking Basketball votes. Um, Where did we leave off? last time Cody I believe we were finally putting me out of my misery of having to go back and forth between saying your name and Kobe and the 2010 Lakers <laughs> yeah weeks ago when we recorded part one I think we ended 2010 when when Kobe just ended his his run of three straight Magic Johnson awards three straight Magic Johnson awards giving him four he is our leader in the clubhouse so that what does that give him that gives him four conference finals MVPs and two finals MVPs and of course in in 2009 and 2010 he does the double who else did the double in the first half of this episode Tim Duncan in 2003 KG right? in 04 no they didn't they didn't make the finals oh you're finals not talking MVP. about MVP in in West you're talking finals MVP. no I that's the triple that. that's the that's, that's regular the season MVP yeah so 2000 Shaq did the triple he did regular season MVP uh, we voted him Western Conference Finals MVP, and then he was Finals MVP. Um, but 2001, remember, we gave to Kobe. 2002, we gave to Shaq as well. So Shaq did the double that year. Duncan did it in 2003 in the Western Conference Finals. And I believe that was the only, yeah, that was the only other. If you haven't heard that, you probably want to go back and listen to that episode where we introduce things, talk about methodology a little bit, grow, go through the first decade of the 21st century. Now we're in the second decade. Second decade, finally a changing of the guard. Um, Dirk Nowitzki is back with the Mavs, but this time against the, what, the young team of the future, the Oklahoma City Thunder? Yeah, the baby Thunder. The time when we were all so excited to see this trio play for the next decade together. Yeah, um, and it was a. This was closer to a pretty dominant series for Dallas. I think they won it in five games. Tyson Chandler had the best on court rating in the series at plus 11. So, to put that into perspective of the series that we have talked about so far, um, Chandler's plus 11, Odom was plus 11 in 2009, Oberto was plus 13 in 2007. That was another five game series. We had 2003 Manu Ginobili at plus 20. That almost feels like it's cheating because when Ginobili comes in the game, uh, the Spurs were just so good. And then this is the ultimate one. The 2001 finals, the sweep, when the Lakers took out the Spurs in that class, clash of champions that we discussed in part one. Derek Fisher's on court plus minus in that series, plus 28 points per 100. The Lakers were better <laughs> Then the Spurs, when Derek Fisher was on the floor, and um, spoiler alert, we will actually not see a value higher than that for the rest of the Western Conference or Eastern Conference MVPs after the year 2000 in any single series. And that's why we don't just listen to one statistic when we make an evaluation about a player. <laughs> uh, 2011, this was part of the great... Dirk Nowitzki run. I actually think his finals are a little overrated. I discussed that in the um, in the finals MVP redo podcast that I did recently. But here he was excellent. 
in the Western Conference Finals. He was the leader in basketball references, box plus minus at, but not great at plus six. It's not a not one of the huge numbers we've seen. Um, he did average 32 points per game in this series. And the and the thing I would say about it from Dirk's perspective is he has a had a monster scoring series. Yeah, that was what I was gonna say here is scoring wise 31.7 points per 75 on plus 14 efficiency a score val and if you if you missed the first episode score val is basically how many points per 100 possessions is a player contributing just from their scoring alone one of your proprietary stats i think it's his third highest in his series career at a uh, plus 5.2 so dirk was just unconscious scoring wise this series well well he was hard for them to handle matchup wise and he had two 40 point games in the series, in this five-game series, the first one was really memorable. It was a 48-point game where he was 24 for 24 from the free throw line. Um, that might be a record. I, I think they talked about it during the game. If you can find a copy of that game, uh, it's an easy thing to look up. But like he was, he was 24 of 24 from the free throw line. And Cody, you want to guess what he was from the field? Um, I'm guessing it was pretty solid. It was probably north of, what, 60% from the field? He was 12 for 15, 80%, 80% from the floor. And, you know, to give you an idea of how the times were, he shot zero three-pointers in that game. Um, but just, just you know, games like that were just too much for Oklahoma City to handle. And this one was a relatively easy vote for me. Um, I am a huge fan of Tyson Chandler. I wrote about his value at the time. And I think in looking at, I I actually hand tracked stat tracked all of the games in this series uh, in the entire 2011 playoffs. So this is one of them. And I think you could kind of muster up an argument, excuse me, an argument for, for Chandler here, but um, I'm definitely most comfortable with Dirk and just his, his offensive prowess in this series. I think that's what gets tough is when you just, when you have these players that bring value in so many different ways, like Tyson Chandler with this defense, it's like, great, you want to try and make a case for that sort of thing. But Dirk, 94% true shooting in game one, 48 points on 94% true shooting. Like at a certain point, like sometimes the scoring is just too much. It's just a little too much. Well, Dirk is also a player at this point in time that has latent value as well with his spacing. And even though he wasn't shooting a lot of threes, um, being a big that could operate on the perimeter and kind of, you know, play a little off ball and on ball. And when he was on ball, it was catch it up at the elbows or up just inside the arc, allowing that breathing room for his teammates also added a little bit of value on the court as well. So um, 2011 Dirk Davitsky for me, one other player actually got, votes in our discord voting if you remember last time we have 38 voters in the discord community on thinking basketball who also submitted ballots here and that one other player was jason kidd who snuck in with three votes a a near sweep but we still haven't achieved uh our our prestigious sweep vote interesting three votes for kidd how do you feel about those three votes I mean, they, these, they, they just will not go all the way on, on one player, no matter what. I think if we weren't going to get it in some of the series we've seen, then um, I don't know how we're going to get it, although there are one or two that are extremely close that we will hit today, coming up shortly. Let's, let's move on. 2012, the Young Thunder are back once again in the Western Conference Finals against another team from Dallas. Cody, I, I I thought we were done talking about the Spurs. We talked about them for like one hour straight in the first <laughs> decade. San Antonio is back, but of course, 
This is a different Spurs version. This is a rebooted version. They haven't been in the conference finals in four seasons. They iterated through players like, uh, you know, the Richard Jefferson era there and things like that. And what you ended up with in 2012, to me, is this is the two or three year period of the beautiful game Spurs, where they start to introduce more at the time was more stuff coming out of Europe, but more space, pace, movement, cutting action screening and guard dominant offensive play with a ton of those shooters and movers and passers. And so a lot of it in 2012 was Tony Parker. It was Manu, but in a much smaller role coming off the bench, 20, 25 minutes a game, passing, pick and roll, stuff like that. And you even had, you know, your old friend Boris Diaw and uh, Tim Duncan playing more short role passing and, you know, the emergence of rookie Kawhi Leonard. It was it was a, a nice run from this team. I think something that stood out is this felt like a period of time where, especially with with Manu and Duncan approaching like the mid-30s, where Parker truly seemed to become like the main engine of the offense. It was a lot more egalitarian, like you said, Popovich brought in a lot more of the European sorts of offensive, moving the ball around, whatever else. But Parker, more than Manu in previous playoffs, I thought became like the primary offensive, uh, I guess creator for the team at this time yeah you know it's not it's not anything close to what we call heliocentrism no. but i think i think he drove more of this egalitarian approach um manu did it a little bit and uh you know the spurs team i believe they had a 20 game winning streak someone can double check that but they had this huge winning streak coming into this series maybe it was 18 games and they won the first two games of this series and then the thunder um they shocked me cody they won four games in a row to take this thing to the finals. You mentioned Parker. He led the series in our playmaking value metric, PlayVal. But when you look down the leaderboard that we put together for these series, Kevin Durant, basketball references, box plus minus model, plus 10. Um, really good number. Our, our back picks model, plus eight, led the series, really good number. Augmented plus minus, not a huge number, but plus four again, Kevin Durant. Leading scorer in the series, 30 points per game, Kevin Durant. Um, I think a lot of people think of Westbrook and Durant. This was young James Harden, too, coming in, playing that peak Manu Ginobili role off the bench. And this stat kind of blew me away. The leader in the series in net rating was James Harden. And when he was on the court, Cody, coming off the bench with these lineups, the Thunder were plus 16 per 100 against the Spurs, taking it in six. So I think we've mentioned all the big names and the potential candidates, but for me, it's it's Kevin Durant and his scoring, um, kind of separating himself, and he gets my vote for 2012 Western Conference Finals MVP. Yeah, I think Harden has the best case as like a second, like a runner up with the Thunder. I thought Westbrook's inefficiency really hurt him here. He was like uh, 18 points on minus seven percent efficiency like I mean I, I hate to just play it from the the box score but when you just look at that you're like there's really no way that you're going to compete with someone like Kevin Durant when he's scoring the way he's scoring when he's starting to blossom into the player that we start seeing really at this point in his career so in 2013 Wait, uh, I, 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 gotta, I gotta do the discord yeah, yeah all right caught myself um 2012 discord goes with Kevin Durant 33 of the 38 votes Tony Parker Picked up a vote for the Spurs. We talked about him. And then Tim Duncan, um, four votes. That's it. That feels like a, that almost feels like a name, which might be on brand if they actually did voting like this. Uh, that feels like a, a, a name recognition vote versus necessarily anything in particular in the series. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 2013 Western Conference Finals. Um, this is the Spurs once again. And is this the, is this the appearance of the, a new team? Is that, is that a new team I hear, Cody? Yes, we have a new challenger approaching. We have the Memphis Grizzlies making it to the Western Conference Finals. Was that like your game of zones? <laughs> Where there's a new challenger coming into the arena. Um, I feel like that's a Super Smash Bros. reference. I haven't played this in like a decade, but I thought that's what it would say. It would have like the sirens like, and then it would have the, the outline of Mike Conley or something like that. But yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. That's your second Super Smash Bros. reference this year. Uh, the first one being how Rob Williams jumps... A second oh, wow. time. Yeah, I think that was back in, in January or something. Um, 2013, it was the Grizzlies. And, of course, we all, we all remember the legendary uh, Quincy Pondexter scoring series, don't we? <laughs> I have nothing to follow up. Just t- tell me what you're going to say, man. No, P- Pondexter, he was, he, he was like plus 20% efficiency in the series or something like that. It was just it was a marvelous scoring performance from him. Um, of, course, of course, this was all Spurs. To the series that everyone brings up, the Pondexter series. <laughs> the, pon, the Pondexter series. Um, 2013, beautiful game, Spurs. And this was a series where Tony Parker, at least statistically, was all over this series, led the series at 25 points per game, led the series in playmaking value at plus 2.6, led the series in uh, basketball references BPM, led the series in RBPM, um, you know, you can look at other components of the Spurs like Tim Duncan and his defense and things like that. I'm going Tony Parker, 2013 Western Conference Finals MVP. I think that's pretty clear. And when you even look at Tony Parker comparing to himself, this was his highest back picks BPM, uh, 27 points on plus seven efficiency, a box creation of 15.8. So he's creating tons of shots for his teammates. I mean, this was this was just peak Tony Parker running the Spurs during this. Yeah, do you have um, any other guys that came to mind for you, or is, is it also kind of a, a slam dunk for Parker? I want to be honest. Going back to the 2008 Western Conference Finals, between 2008 and 2013, it's the least amount of, of prep that I have, the least amount of notes that I have, because I think most of those series are pretty clear for me. I, did, I well, didn't feel like there was a lot of other stuff to bring up, so this is the end of me being like, yeah, it's just that one player. Yeah, this this is a sweep, and this is a sweep that was legitimately a sweep and wasn't close, and um, you know, Kawhi Leonard had the best net rating in the series. The Spurs were plus 18 with him on the court. Um, you know, the closest game of any of the games in the series was game two. The Spurs won by four, but the, the rest of the games were far more comfortable. So this this one to me is Parker. If we check in on the Discord community now, now 2012, Duncan was picking up votes. Uh, what's going to happen here in 2013? A little foreshadowing. Kawhi Leonard actually gets some votes. Oh, he wow. Gets, he gets four votes in this series. Okay. This very young Kawhi Leonard. Tim Duncan gets... 12 votes and they agree Tony Parker takes this with 22 votes so not not too much disagreement all around which is exactly how things will be in 2014 when we, when we come back and do this again 
2014, Ben. This was this is <sighs> one of those I marked. I literally have it highlighted because 2014, Ben. This is this is going to be an interesting series to talk about because you said you said the beautiful game Spurs a couple times. This is if I remember correctly, this is like slimmed down Tim Duncan. Like I think he went on a workout regimen that really he he lost a lot of weight. He started really taking on a much lesser role. They started really swinging the ball around. That finals sequence against the Heat is just peak basketball. Um, but then there and there lies the problem. It's a truly egalitarian offense. What do we do with a team like this that beats the Thunder in six games, Ben? I, I was wondering if I was allowed to vote for Greg Popovich <laughs> for conference finals MVP. I mean, he doesn't play, but he does wear a suit and he kind of sweats a lot on the sidelines. So it is an athletic activity. Um, this was like the all-time sort of egalitarian balanced team. Um, the start, the bench was dominant. The starters were, there was a lot of parity amongst them in terms of role. Um, I think the Spurs were ahead of their time. Duncan, you alluded to the weight loss. That was the year before. I mean, that was this period. So by 2013, he was slimmer. And then we get to 2014. They lost to the Heat, of course, in seven heartbreaking games the year before. And when they came back for the 2014 run, I think they were better than people realized because of some injuries throughout the year. But when they were all healthy, they were incredible. And then they have this seven-game series against the Mavs in the first round. And it's like, ah, maybe they're dicey. Maybe they're bumpy. But A, Dallas played really well in that series, and they won some close games and things like that. And B, it was all downhill after that for San Antonio. So they rolled through the Blazers. They get to Oklahoma City in this in this big rematch of the 2012 Conference Finals. And the thing that I remember about this series, Cody, um, I guess you could say is the blowouts, but specifically game two. Game one, the Spurs won by 17. And they came out in game two, and they ended up winning game two by 35 points. But the second and the third quarter, they just steamrolled them. And it was all of the stuff we've talked about. It was Kawhi Leonard's defense starting to pop off the screen, um, even though he only logged 16 minutes in the game. It was Tim Duncan and him doing Tim Duncan, old man river walk Tim Duncan things, and he only played 28 minutes in the game. And it was Danny Green hitting seven of 10 threes in just a bombardment, and he only played 28 minutes in the game. And it was Tony Parker making 10 of 17 two-point shots for 22 points to lead the way and a plus 32 um, plus minus when he played, he only played 22 minutes a game. It was more Boris Diaw and Manu Ginobili coming off the bench and Marco Bellinelli. No one, no one plays more than like 28 minutes a game on this team, which makes it very, very tricky to say one of these individual players from the Spurs was the best player in this series. Yeah, and even like game six, the, the tremendous game six that then goes into overtime, I think... Uh, Tony Parker gets injured at halftime and he misses the second half of that game. So the Spurs close out the game without one of their primary guys. So that's even like, I, I don't know if you're thinking of points against these guys, but that's some more points docked against like Parker's candidacy because he's not even there to close it out. So, um, man, I don't know. Like part of me feels like it's going to end up going to one of the thunder that feels makes me feel a little icky, Ben. Just a, I got, a, I got, I got really stuck here. I got okay. really, really stuck here. Um, you know who the leading scorer for San Antonio was in that overtime game six win by far? I'll give you a hint. You'll be able to guess it. Was it Manu? It was Boris Diaw. Oh, Boris Diaw. 
26 points <laughs> on eight for 14. Um, yeah, yeah, this is just very, very difficult to look at San Antonio and really almost outside of like the concept of the team or the concept of Greg Popovich's coaching awarded to one individual spur. And of course, if this were like the ESPY awards or something, they would just cheat and make it up. And they'd be like, we give it to the Spurs starting five or something like that. Um, we're, we're, we're not that creative here. We're not going to do that. So I, I really agonized over this. Um, San Antonio had six players in double figures. Six players averaged double figures in the series. And they shot 40% from three as a team. Um, Ginobili, I think, has an argument to be their best permanent player in the series. The thing is... If he was their best permanent player in the series, he played only 23 minutes per game in the six games. So, I mean, as icky as it feels, I kind of feel like the Thunder probably had the two best individual players in this series in Westbrook and Durant. And Westbrook, you know, he had a ton of playmaking. Um, Big game four win at home to tie the series. He had... 40 points and 10 assists in 45 minutes. He was out there doing Westbrook flying all over the court things. In the elimination game, he had 34 uh, to lead Oklahoma City. So, uh, Cody, I I wanted to punt on this, but I have to submit a ballot. The league requires it. Uh, and I, I voted for Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that's, that's who I ended up with. I feel like the Spurs were more built in a way to defend Kevin Durant, kind of like in episode one, we talked about the way that the Spurs were built to guard Shaq over Kobe. And I thought at the point of attack, they weren't able to contain Westbrook quite as much. So ultimately, I like that. But because because we're picking one of the Thunder, I want to talk a little bit about the end of this game because there's a couple there's a couple of plays I want to highlight that are just, first of all, we have the extremely clutch transition block from Kawhi Leonard against Westbrook. Just an all-time unbelievable defensive contorting his body and stripping it from him. It's just, it's a weird-looking block. He almost, like, palms it and just, like, steals it away from him. It's crazy. But my favorite play, sneaky favorite players, 20 seconds left in the game. 20 seconds left. And the Spurs need a clutch basket. Is this game six? It's game six. Yeah. Close the series. And they go into Tim Duncan, who's being defended by Serge Ibaka, who's tremendous defensively so far. Lots of blocks. Westbrook comes flying over to try and steal the ball. Duncan avoids him. Duncan turns for one of his patented little turnarounds. Westbrook flies again to contest it. Duncan makes it. And here's what I want you all to do. I want you all to go back and watch this play. Is Duncan so savvy that he can just pretend like he's ignoring Westbrook this whole time? Or does he genuinely not see him at all at any point in this play? Because I've watched this play multiple times, and I'm convinced Tim Duncan never saw Westbrook on this play and just happened to go through his regular motions and made this incredibly clutch basket. That is my call to you. Last 20 seconds of Game 6 of 2014. Please go and watch this and tell me, did Duncan ever see Westbrook on this play? I think the thing that this series sort of grates against philosophically is are you comfortable giving the MVP of a series to a losing team that it like wasn't super close because we had a lot of blowouts and then the Spurs real I mean their numbers when they had their best guys on the court they were dominant in this series uh they really looked like a much better team than Oklahoma City in this series so it 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 gets weird for me I totally understand if that crosses over kind of a philosophical threshold or 
that doesn't meet the spirit of the definition, especially because people have been so indoctrinated with like finals MVP has to go to the winner, which, um, you know, maybe we're already pushing back against a sort of Overton window on that right now. But let's go to the discord, Cody. We have four players getting votes in this series. So Danny Green got two votes for MVP I, in this series. I would have not guessed Danny Green got any votes. That's that's quite the shot. That's quite the shot. Uh, Russell Westbrook got 10 votes. Manu Ginobili, 12 votes. And I don't know how I feel about I, I like that this goes to a spur. I don't know how I feel about this. I feel like this is that name I was foreshadowing earlier, that name brand bonus credit. The Discord voted Kawhi Leonard as MVP of this series. Huh. That feels almost like you're correcting knowing that he ends up winning finals MVP in the next round. Or just becomes Kawhi Leonard. Or just becomes Kawhi Leonard. Wait, yeah. was there no vote for Kevin Durant? No, that's it. Those are all the votes. Wow. Durant had kind of a, if I recall, didn't he have kind of a bumpy series in this series? He ends up 26 points per game on eight rebounds, but, um, you know, it's not the normal efficiency we've seen from Durant and I don't know if he has any there's like nothing necessarily that stands out about him defensively or um, big moments or, or things like that I mean I haven't I rewatched a couple of those games uh, for for his profile last year but that's sort of my impression of how people probably think about this series yeah but Danny Green got votes and I remember at the time I thought I thought Kawhi and Danny Green were the best transition defensive tandem in the history of basketball I don't know if that's the case if I would think that anymore but that I, I just remembered that you couldn't go on on the fast break against them because they would just strip you or block you or something but Danny Green got votes because he made 23s in the series he was 20 of 37 from downtown in the series uh by the way if I were going to give it to a spur if you handcuffed me and said in this case it's it's too much it's too much you're you're breaking the rules you're making me feel too icky by voting for a thunder I th- even though he played 23 minutes a game I think I would have given it to Ginobili Ooh. I was hoping yeah. you were gonna say Borstia <sighs> that, that that sounds actually more fun um although I'd have I'd have to revisit that so that's for for anyone listening this is the second time the discord has disagreed with Ben, and that was back in 2005. Discord voted for Tim Duncan, and uh, we went with Manu Ginobili, so this is the second disagreement. This one, though, uh, is more understandable to me. The 2005 one, I- I'm really putting my foot down. That was I feel very strongly about that. That was that was Manu's series. Um, this, this one, I mean, I, I have no idea how you pick an MVP in this series. This is why they weren't handing out the Magic Johnson trophy back then. Uh, on stage when these series ended. Let's go to 2015, where we finally hit a new era. Ooh, so, fun yeah. fact about this one. This is the first series in this two-part series so far where we have two teams that have not been in- involved yet. These are two fresh new challengers. Two completely fresh teams. Yes. The Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. Yep. Of course... We know now that this was the beginning of the Warriors dynasty, and this series was, um, you know, it wasn't San Antonio versus Los Angeles in 2001, but the couple games that I rewatched from this series recently, uh, it's Golden State is is a much better team. They they, they were a much better team. They they won the series with uh, an eight in five games, an eight point per game differential in the series and if we look at something like uh, the guy who had the 
highest um, net rating in the series. It wasn't dominant. It wasn't like some of the series we've seen before, but it was Draymond Green at a comfortable plus seven for Golden State. So uh, new teams, but one of them felt much better. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And this was, uh, what, Steph Curry scoring 30 points per 75 on plus 15% efficiency. I mean, this is just the ascendancy of Steph Curry begins now. So we talk about we talked about in part one sweeping some of the categories. Uh, Kobe in two thousand eight was actually the only player to sweep all of the categories. That is uh, the leaderboards we've been kind of working off of here: basketball references box plus minus, back picks box plus minus, augmented plus minus, points per game, score value, play value, and the highest net rating in the series. He's the only player to do it. Getting that net rating one because of the noise in that stat is really, really hard. So the other six categories, we have a handful of instances where players have swept the other six categories. It's only been done by three players. Kobe Bryant is one of the players to do it. He did it twice in 2008 and 2009. There's another guy in the Eastern Conference that we'll talk about next time who maybe has done it once or twice before. And then in this series, 2015, Steph Curry did it. Steph Curry led both teams in both playmaking value and scoring value. Once again, that's just a semi-crude estimate of how much value you're imparting from your playmaking component and from your scoring component. He led the series in scoring, as Cody mentioned, that's 31 points per game if you uh, put it out to per game stats. Led the series in augmented plus minus. Led the series in our uh, box score model and in the basketball reference box score model Steph Curry's plus 13.9 per game was the best single conference finals series of the 21st century yeah like I said the ascendancy of of Steph Curry and again I don't I don't really have notes for for this one because this seemed like such a slam dunk where Curry was by far and away the best player on the court this series agreed um I voted Curry did not have a lot of additional notes on it and the discord disagrees no of course they don't disagree with us they <laughs> they agree with us but we again again a series that i thought would be unanimous not unanimous curry gets 36 of 38 mm. and draymond green takes the other two votes oh that's really interesting that's really interesting how do you feel about that how do you feel about draymond getting any votes for this uh that's that's a tough one um Draymond is phenomenal. His defense is phenomenal. He has these postseason series, and we'll come back to more in a second, where he really is pops off the screen. He's everywhere. He does all, but but in this series, the the level of play from Curry, both in terms of the way the offense is constructed, his standard value as a mover and as a spacer, and his off ball game and his gravity, and just the the absurdity of the scoring. And then you watch the series, and it's like it's over. Like. I'm actually surprised that the series wasn't um, ended up kind of being closer on the scoreboard than it was. It, it felt, you know, game one, the Warriors win by four. They win game two by one. Uh, but the last, you know, three games, Houston ends up winning a game at home. They win game four at home, 128-115. But just huge sections of those games, especially with Curry when he's on, feel very dominant. So I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. And, you know, I think like you just said, this is Curry by far and away. I'm really interested about this next segment. I think 2016 is its own conversation. But after that, 
we're going to get into some philosophy conversations, Ben, because I think we have a few years that are interesting here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So 2016 is yet another great time for us to stop and set up an, another classic series. This was a seven-game series between the Thunders and Thunder, the Thunders, um, <laughs> the the Oklahoma City Sonics. Um, it was the Thunder and the Warriors, where the Thunder shockingly went up three-one on the seventy-three and nine Warriors. Their speed, their athleticism, their length. I mean, they had that classic regular season game where the game goes into overtime and Curry hits the hits the shot from like 79 feet away. Um, and Mike Breen can't believe what's happening. Um, so, so this was competitive throughout. The Thunder gave them problems. They came out and smacked them in game one, stole game one in Golden State, 108-102. And then after, the, after they were up 3-1, um, Golden State held serve in Game Five. You had Clay Thompson and Steph in Game Six. Classic Clay Six, Clay Game Six game, uh, and then they were able to hold on in Game Seven. Just, just an absolutely amazing series. Going back to that Steph Curry shot, is that that's a famous double bang from Breen, right? Like it's, bang. It's, it's the like shock, like bang, bang. <laughs> like he doesn't know what to do with himself. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he did not. He, he just it was the double bang uh, from Mike Green. Oh man, where we've been recording for too long. Um, uh, this twenty six series again. The sixth. Wow, twenty six. <laughs> the twenty six series. Oh Ben, let's try this again. This twenty sixteen series, Ben. I find it to be equally difficult and fat. Like maybe not the level of twenty fourteen, but man, like. I, I really don't know what direction I would go because I think there's there's multiple players you could go with and I would ultimately shrug and be like, yeah, that's uh, that sounds about right because it's not like the, the Warriors steamrolled them. Like you said, this went to seven games and the Thunder were up 3-1, so clearly the Thunder were out there just still dominant with their Westbrook-Durant tandem. Super close series. The Thunder actually ended up with a positive point differential outscoring the Warriors by one point per game in this series. Um Steph Curry was again the leader in basketball references BPM model that 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 model really likes him. Russell Westbrook was the leader in our back picks box plus minus model, which values slightly different things is more into the playmaking component, things like that. Kevin Durant tied Curry for augmented plus minus leader 
in the series. And Durant led the series at 30 points per game, but he had efficiency challenges and struggles against, um, you know, the, the Golden State defense have done some videos on how they overloaded and shrank the court. And, you know, they, the Thunder really didn't have a lot of shooting and spacing. Russell Westbrook, he led the series in playmaking value. He was a tornado on that end. But at the same time, Westbrook was one of the reasons they didn't have spacing around Durant. Um, you know, he didn't necessarily stand out for me defensively down the stretch of this series. I will say about Westbrook, I thought he was massive in the first four games. Um, just absolutely massive. But then Steph Curry on the flip side had a huge game seven, a huge game seven that I think is kind of historically kind of forgotten and a big game six, uh, 31, 10 and nine alongside Clay Thompson's 11 threes in game six. So, it, you know, it's a good series from him, not a great series from him. I, I referenced the the game seven, just his numbers on that to put a bow on it. 36 points in game seven from Curry on 71% true shooting. He also had eight assists. And this is just like the most vintage Curry stat you could think of, Cody. The Warriors win that game by eight points at home. Um most of their players are, you know, plus five and plus minus, plus nine. The other starters, plus one, minus two. Curry leads everyone in plus minus by a mile. He's plus 18 in that game. I wasn't sure about which direction to go in for this series. This was a this was a tight, tight series for me. But I think based on all the things I just talked through, um, the game six and the game seven... I'm I'm probably most comfortable giving it to Curry after all said and done. So even I don't even know if you can do play this game because there's so many other factors. But if the Thunder end up winning that game seven, do you think you would end up with Curry here, or do you think actually winning that final game gives him just a little bit more of a boost in this award? Well, it probably psychologically gives him a little bit more of a boost, but we have to have a caveat to your question. If he plays the same way and none of the other key players do anything, I still probably find a way to land on him, as we saw by the fact that in 2014, I voted for Russell Westbrook over over any of the Spurs. Now, if Westbrook were to personally have a 10-0 run that would juice all these stats and changes plus minus and all the on-court ratings and things like that. And the Thunder would win because of that in game seven, or he had a much bigger game six after Clay's 11 threes and we never got to game seven. Then I think it's probably likely that I would have voted for Westbrook here. Okay. Yeah. That's, this is one I, I punted on. I didn't end up, <laughs> I couldn't end up picking anyone. So I'm going to shrug and be like, Curry sounds great. Let's move on. Let's get out of here. What I don't the like Discord lingering. Say? Discord. I don't like lingering on the ones that I have no idea yeah. what what's going on, and I don't want to. I don't really want to be asked my opinion about. Um, the Discord also went with Curry. Pretty comfortable voting margin. He got thirty of the thirty-eight votes. Seven votes went to Kevin Durant. I I, I get that as well. I, I definitely get that. I mean, it's a tricky one with Durant because he does struggle shooting and has these cold stretches and is shooting into these. Uh, you know, extra double teams and gap defenses and things like that. But at the same time, I mean, he he's he's still a fantastic player and one of the key reasons why, you know, this series was so even. I'm, I'm going to double up on a couple of questions here, but if you don't mind, I want to take a quick detour and ask a, a hypothetical question here. Are you viewing someone's MVP candidacy candidacy here 
in sort of the same ways that you have like a corp valuation, like the yeah. how well yeah. they performed across the entire thing. Because let's let's say for instance, let's pretend. Um, well, let's just use these two teams for instance. Let's say the Thunder go up three nothing, and Steph Curry was out those three games. And then what if Steph Curry comes back and plays four straight games and they win and he's just unbelievable? Do you count those three losses or the three non-games played against Curry? Or are you only counting the fact that he was able to come back and pull a, a comeback? Why are we doing this? Why are you, why are you making me do this? Um, I want to I pause. I wanna, uh, as they like to say, I want to put a pin in that. And just tack it right up here on our board, and we're going to come back to it in a few years. Can we do that? Yeah, let's do that. I didn't know if there was a great series there's where a, I could there's, that up. there's an example. Yes, there is an example. Oh, there actually is. This is actually yeah. bad timing on my part. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Um, we're going to come right back to that in a second. Yeah. I also should say I misread the Discord votes. Kevin Durant only got one vote here. Ah. Uh, Curry got 32, and Draymond Green got five more. So t- 2017, Kevin Durant now, I don't know if you've heard this, he actually left Oklahoma City and he went and joined the Warriors. What? After that series, yeah. So, uh, so this is the the super team Warriors. Um, Durant just uh, what a monster series he had in this 2017 Western Conference Finals where they sweep the Spurs. Uh, Durant ends up averaging 28 points per game in the series, 73 percent true shooting. Cody. Um, just, just a huge series from him in, in 2017 against San Antonio. This kills me so much, Ben. This series kills me so much. <laughs> this kills me. Why does it kill you, pray tell? So, Durant scores 27 on 75 possessions on plus 20 efficiency. Stephen Curry, his teammate, the player he just joined after losing to him in seven games the previous year, 32 points per 75 on plus 21 efficiency yeah this is uh (laughs) this is the fourth the fourth best conference finals series of the 21st century in our box plus minus model from steph curry plus 10.2 he's plus 12 in basketball references model best in the series by far um so even though durant has a great series curry just eclipses him basically in every category leads the series at 32 points per game um, plus seven, his, his score val number of plus seven is the second best scoring series by that estimate of any of the conference finals of the 21st century. He leads the series. Uh, sorry, he doesn't lead the series. Draymond Green actually leads the series in play value. So that prevents him from being one of our sweeps that we discussed that he achieved in 2015. Durant's not too far behind. Plus 10 for Curry in our box model. Durant's plus eight plus seven and a half in augmented plus minus Durant's plus six. So it's a great series from Durant. But again, thinking about and, and knowing all the numbers and the things we know about those Warriors teams, uh, that series was just too good for me from Steph Curry. So I was going to vote Kawhi Leonard, but then he, he rolled his ankle. So that's, that, that's a joke. Well, uh, af- Steph Curry for me. After the Spurs were going to sweep them, you mean you would have oh, it to that Kawhi. Was, oh, not just a sweep. They were going to win by 25 points a game. Yep. Because yep. as we all know, every first half blowout um, in NBA history, that team has gone on to destroy the other team. Dis- despite the fact that last week I, I was watching uh, a game and you know the team that was up by 20 in the first half got swept themselves, the 2008 Suns, was watching 2008 Suns Spurs last week, and I thought of this because I was like, wait a second, the Suns are up by like 18 or 20 in the first half, and they're just kicking butt all over the court, and I'm pretty sure that didn't 
hold up for the for the rest of the series. So uh, it's Steph Curry for me. So this is this is the conversation I've been saving. I could have brought it up in the Kobe Shack years, but I was, I was saving it for this right here. Is there? Do you think that using statistics like a lot of the these models, Scoreval, Playval, augmented plus minus BPM, things like that, is that the best way to pick up? on a player's latent value in a series. Because when I'm thinking about someone like Steph Curry, even when he's playing with someone like Kevin Durant, both of these players, both, I mean, they both have latent value, right? They bring more to the table than meets the eye. But Steph Curry is just a god when it comes to latent value. So, like, how do you ever say that it's not that player that's the best player in a series? Does that make sense? Is there some other way besides looking at the numbers that you're like, oh, we can actually consider this other player because of X reason. Um, I think it depends on the player, and I think it depends on the series. So some players, uh, f- first of all, Curry on offense is obviously probably an outlier when it comes to Leighton Valley. Shaq may have been like that, things like that. We discussed Shaq earlier in part one. But for most players, even if you're a good scorer or a good playmaker or whatever, if you can't touch the paint, break down the defense and, and pressure and set up your teammates – within that game or within that series because they take it away. It, it in a sense, doesn't matter that you're the best player heading into the series or the best player on your team because if they really nullify the way you create advantages, if they really nullify your value, then chances are you're not the best player in that series anymore, especially if there are other great players. Same thing with scores. I will say defensively, a lot of great defenders, it's the same thing. Like if Rudy Gobert is in a healthy situation... Rob Williams in Boston maybe is a better example last year. You are not going to want to come into the paint and challenge him. And so that alters what you do. That game plans uh, makes you game plan differently for the series. So I think it's still the kind of thing that it depends. And no, it's not always guaranteed. You're not going to be the best player or win MVP of every series. But at a certain point, when you tilt the court a ton, what we're really looking for is like, Take the 2016 series where it was a closer vote. If your shot is off or your defense is exposed, you're put in pick and roll constantly, you become a tactical target, things like that. Then those become offsetting factors, right, that balance out, okay, I've got all this positive latent value, but all these negative things happened in the series. So, yeah, I, I it's not a guaranteed thing, but I think in Curry's case, as long as teams are going to game plan like this, he's going to have a high-value floor in a series unless he just goes out and shoots 30% or something and takes a ton of shots while doing that. We talked about this more during the regular season when we were talking about our 10 best offensive players, and I think we had them in the 2-3 range. But it seemed odd at the time, or it could have seemed odd at the time, because he was quote-unquote going through a, a, a slump. But he still like was being defended as if he was Steph Curry. And Steph Curry, just as an individual, as a specific anomaly here breaks my brain in terms of like I don't know and not to spoil the next couple series I don't know how he can not win it if his team is just blowing away everyone like if their team wins and they're clearly winning with him performing well I don't know how anyone else could can get it over him especially a yeah, team, but, especially a teammate no but at this at the same time in the 2017 finals against the Cavs like I I don't have an issue with Durant winning that 
uh, you know, because on uh, Curry, Curry provides value by the defense tilting to him, but Durant had a significantly better shooting series and his isolation and his three-point stuff was off the charts and he had a good defensive series, probably had a better defensive series than Curry in terms of impact throughout the five games of the series. So uh, I think immediate, like I understand your point, but I mean, I think immediately you can see examples where if you have other great players out there, you can have situations or results that actually occur in a series that would propel them over Curry. Uh, Durant not only did it in 17, but it was a similar thing because of the matchup uh, in 18 against Cleveland. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm even thinking about a few plays in that 2017 finals where like J.R. Smith and whoever else just sprint out to Curry in the in transition and Durant just gets a dunk. So I'm, you know, I, I would need to go and revisit it, but I'm not 100% convinced on that either. I just, Steph Curry is just weird. He's just weird. He's weird. Uh, Discord voted for Curry here, 30 out of 38 votes. This is the one where Durant picked up seven votes. 2018, the Warriors are back, this time against an absolutely stacked Houston Rockets team. But it's 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 stacked in a very non-traditional sense. It's built around James Harden and built around Chris Paul and this two-headed beast heliocentric thing where they stagger the minutes and when they play together they're they're good but it's not additive they don't like get on the court together like Durant and Curry and blow people away but they're just fine with one of them out there and they're good with two of them out there and then they want to fill in the rest of the roster with 3 and D guys so you got PJ Tucker and you got Clint Capella at the rim and you got three point you got Trevor Ariza back when he could still play back then and he's out there playing defense and shooting threes and 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 the Rockets take the Warriors to seven games. They go up 3-2 in the series. Chris Paul hurts himself. He misses the final two games of the series. Uh, there was a lot of small ball, a lot of modern tactics. That Rockets team was fantastic. They missed 27 threes in a row in game seven. Golden State pulls away. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this one. So I think actually we talk about game seven a lot. But I think lost in this was the harbinger to Game 7, which was Game 4. And the Rockets end up winning the game, like 95-92. But if you go back and watch, the Rockets don't score their first point until 6 minutes and 42 second mark of the first quarter. It's yep. it's unbelievable. So this all-time team that takes the Warriors to the brink like no other team we've seen goes through these two stretches in the same series of just like bafflingly terrible scoring it's it's weird I think their offensive rating in this series was only like 104 or something they they really struggled and a lot of the tactics back and forth with the lineups and small ball and switching um, were really defensive first in a sense I mean when you have Durant come in you get a top heavier roster and Golden State loses their depth and we're going to see that next year in 2019 uh, especially in the finals when when Durant goes down, but you rewatch this you rewatch this series and you're like, wow, Jordan Bell's playing a lot of minutes. That's that's wild. Um, game four was one of the games I actually rewatched for this. You know, Durant was criticized for only having one assist down the stretch and ball stopping in that game. That's the game that Houston came back and and stole right. Um, Game three, the game before that, Steph Curry went absolutely nuclear in the third quarter to blow the game open. I had forgot about that. They got like a like a special Curry flurry in the third to blow that one open. Um, and then they were down. They were down. You've never heard Curry flurry? It sounds like a great Dairy Queen order. <laughs> of the special Curry flurry, please. <laughs> um, in game six, Houston's up 3-2 in game six. 
the the Warriors were down 10 at the half and both the Splash Brothers, it was the same thing as Oklahoma City. Game six, Clay and Curry came out and Golden State blew the doors off him 64 to 25 in the second half. Curry and Clay Thompson combined for 37 points in the second half. Well, Durant was relatively quiet. Um, there's a lot of guys you could look at here. You could look at Durant. You could look at Curry. I think James Harden has to be part of the discussion. He was the MVP of the league that year. He, If you haven't seen James Harden play in a couple seasons and you've forgotten this iteration of James Harden, um, what an amazing first step and change of pace and quickness advantage he had and just putting people on the yo-yo and um, the Rockets spacing around him. I alluded to the construction of the team. They're, they're, they are so spaced out. And relatively small. I mean, we're getting like, Cody, I mentioned Jordan Bell. We're getting like Ryan Anderson minutes from the Rockets to help with the spacing. If you're going to go and help on Harden in his game, he's going to kick it out and find three-point shooters. So, uh, you know, he he was good in the series, but he wasn't great. He He missed, he struggled with like the floaters and shots around the rim and things like that. And I think a couple more of those buckets, if they could have fallen at a certain point in the series, might have made a difference. I don't know. It's a weird series because it went to seven, and there's this impression of Houston being up in game six and up in game seven, deep, deep-ish deep into the game. But it's also, when you look at the totality of the series, uh, I think the Rockets had like a plus 10 point differential in a seven-game series or something. Um, let's see, I should probably bring that up. We have, we have access to that somewhere. It, it, it was a much more lopsided series than you would remember for a seven game series. And yeah, going back to the Harden thing too, going to the, the game four comeback game. Um, it kind of was like a, your turn, my turn sort of thing with the Harden and Chris Paul, like that fourth quarter too, like Harden, Harden's great, great first step and whatever else that was led a lot by Chris Paul ball. Like a lot of the, he still, he never gave up his long or short mid range pull-up game, but he was able to get into the teeth of the Warriors and kind of set things up. So, and you know, Gerald Green minutes out there flying around, blocking a Steph Curry jump shot. It was, what a weird time. Uh, the, the point differential I was thinking of in the series was plus nine, officially for the Warriors and um, in game seven in my notes I, I was kind of surprised going back at how many critical small plays Steph Curry was making tipping rebounds um, really great layup passes a couple relocation shots uh, and then Durant of course it was also a mixture of Durant with and throughout the series he not only had big isolation moments in this series but he also had a number of really nice defensive plays especially in game seven so th- this one this one was really tough for me if we go to our leaderboard um, Durant led the series in scoring at 30 points per game he led the series in score value because his efficiency was pretty good Harden led the series in playmaking and then for the most part it was all Steph Curry again. He led the series in net rating. When the Warriors had Curry on the court, they were plus 10 in the series. Curry led the series in augmented plus minus. He had the best, the best box score numbers in the series, according to both basketball reference and the back picks model. And as a result of all that, this one was a lot harder for me. Uh, maybe it goes back to our last conversation about latent value. Maybe it's the handful of games I rewatched from, I watched like three and a half games preparing for this episode and I was just 
kind of struck a little bit more by all the little things Curry did out there. Uh, I'm going to go Steph Curry 2018 Western Finals MVP. Yeah, I ultimately wrote Curry, and then parentheses I wrote, again, KD nuclear. So I'm okay <laughs> with this. Which also yeah. makes Curry our first four-peat MVP in this series so far. Yes, he's matched Kobe for four conference finals MVP, and he's the first one to win four in a row. The voting on this one was closer. James Harden did get two votes, and then Durant got 11 votes, and Curry got 25 votes, and I, I'm not surprised by that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been stunned to see Durant take it. I do think there's a little cleaner or better argument, both statistically and from combing through some of the film for Steph, but this one I could see going either way. Yeah, and ultimately, I think Curry, again, with the latent value conversation we just had, I'm comfortable with Curry being the answer here. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Um, that takes us to 2019. And Cody, you'll never guess this, a very rare appearance in the conference finals from the Golden State Warriors. <gasps> Gasp. This is their fifth straight trip to the conference finals. And this time they go up against a... Blazers team. This was not a championship contending Blazers team, but but they were able to, you know, sneak by what we have the Spurs and the Nuggets on the other side of the bracket and teams like that. They were able to sneak into the conference finals and there was some drama because the Warriors did not have Kevin Durant in this series. And there were some questions about what was going to happen because not only did you go back to Curry and Clay and Draymond, that core from 2015 and 2016, but you have no depth anymore, right? There's, there's no more like Andrew Bogut is a, a big-time starting center. Um, Andre Iguodala is significantly older. Harrison Barnes is gone. Um, Sean Livingston is is kind of at the end. So, the, the, like I said, you get Jonas Jerebko, Jordan Bell. You get a lot of Quinn Cook in 2019 from the Warriors. Alfonso McKinney. Alfonso McKinney. Yeah, you get you get appearances from guys like this. And the Warriors steamrolled them. Um, they, they swept them in four games. They had nearly a 10-point margin of victory in the series. But if I recall correctly, there are multiple games where they were like way down and then stormed way back to win and, and, and take it. I don't remember that part of it, but I do remember it just, it felt inevitable during the series. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember watching being like, especially after the first couple of games being like, okay, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get this on the road. Yep. Um, this one's interesting because my primary impression of this series is Draymond Green storming all over the court, like Magic Johnson, who plays defense. Uh, he, he was everywhere. Averaged nine assists. Dr Draymond averaged 17 points, 12 rebounds, nine assists. In this series, um, three blocks, two and a half steals. His defense was insane. And yet, this is yet another example of a player sweeping our categories. Steph Curry, play Val, score Val, 37 points per game in the four games. And insanely consistent. Didn't he go like 36, 37, 36, 37? Yeah. 
in, in the four games. Um, sweeps all the categories again. Really hard not to vote for Steph Curry here. Five straight for Steph Curry. Five straight. And even did it against he- his brother. You know, we could have given this one to Seth Curry playing for the Blazers, but <laughs> Steph, again, stole it away from him. This was the closest we had to a unanimous vote in the entire West. Steph Curry, 37 of the 38 votes, and the aforementioned Draymond Green picked up one vote. I should say the voter for Draymond Green has voted for Draymond Green three other times. So so it could be actually Draymond Green. We should double-check some IP addresses just to make sure Draymond isn't in the Discord stealing content for the Draymond Green podcast. Have you have you been able to see who says what in these votings? Like, is it the same people that are just constantly being contrarian with this? I, I um, don't... I've anonymized the names, so I don't have the names up in front of me, but I have the ballot register okay so i can see you know if you say hey ben who was the guy who voted for manu i can see how many times he voted for ginobili in the past that kind of thing okay okay uh, now we're done right we're, we can we can wrap it up here we don't have to do any more there was a pandemic that hit and that was the end of that no we have the uh the kobe carmelo rematch in 2020 right lakers nuggets why are you making me do this? Kobe Mello? They came back? Those are the two main players on the teams? The bubble. Uh, 11 years later, the Nuggets and the Lakers met again in the Western Conference Finals. Um, this one was down in Florida. Of course, that makes total sense because they were in a shrink-wrapped bubble. Um, I'm not going to beat around the bush here, Cody. I just You almost got me with a Kobe by mentioning Kobe and Carmelo. <laughs> I just don't... I, I, this felt impossible to me. Um this series happened a couple years ago. I won't belabor it. We'll we'll debate the, between the two guys, but like LeBron or Anthony Davis, I how do you choose? It's so wild, I think, the way that Anthony Davis is thought of. Because like he went through this 2020 stretch. The 75 team happens. Anthony Davis makes it, right? We talked about this for like three hours. I should know this. Anthony Davis made the team, right? <laughs> Yeah, he made it. Yeah, yeah, and it feels like I've heard people regret bringing him on there because he's been, quote-unquote, well, he hasn't been great, but he's been so bad now the last year or so. So it's like this wild ride for Anthony Davis. But when you go back to this 2020 run, Anthony Davis was just a monster, like defensively, uh, offensively, pounding the offensive glass, just being bigger than people. Just the jump shot was working, Ben. He hit the game winner in game whatever it was. The What was it, the inbound three-point shot he makes? Anthony Davis yeah. was, was the real deal this run. It was a five-game series. I think the series was closer than people remember. The Lakers had a plus-four point differential. Uh, Anthony Davis actually had the highest on-court rating of anyone in the series at plus-six-and-a-half. So, again, not... Not like a landslide five-game series, and if Mason Plumley, um, you know, isn't thinking about donuts or something right before that Anthony Davis jumper at the buzzer to win Game Two, it's possible that this. I mean, not only does the series probably go six or seven games, but I mean, you, with those Nuggets and Jamal Murray, who knows? I mean, we we were long overdue for a Jamal Murray sixty-five point game at, at that point um, in the bubble. So, you know, Jokic was Jokic was doing Jokic things. He didn't have the best series. That that's actually probably the big one for me is the ultimate factor. My dog my dog agrees. Um, <laughs> oh, I was wondering the, what happened there. Yeah. The the ultimate factor here. Oh, could you not hear that insane howl? I heard it sounded like a hiss. I'm like, are you being yeah, invaded no. by snakes? 
No, that's what happens when I bring up Bubble Jamal Murray. Uh, <laughs> that's how she feels about Bubble Jamal Murray. But, like, Jokic's, Jokic being relatively contained in this series, how much of that is Anthony Davis? To me, a lot. But at the same time, then LeBron, defensively, he was so good at making decisions on the back line and communicating and reading things. And that's a lot of Jokic's success in the bubble. We saw them carve up the Clippers beforehand because their off-ball defenders couldn't keep up with all the moving and cutting. Um, offensively, LeBron stirs the drink. We know that. But Anthony Davis averaged 31 points a game in the series on 67% true shooting. And his jumper was just at unrealistic video game bubble levels there's we're not comparing him to anyone outside the bubble here so there's no bubble discount needed um so i I can see going either way i if forced to choose again i think because of the ability to slow down Jokic um and full just full transparency this is maybe the only series that i haven't rewatched or anything like that it happened two years ago and i I, I don't know. It's very difficult. If I rewatched it, maybe I'd feel differently, but I'm going to go with AD. Wow. You are going to do Davis. Yeah. I have it written down as being very close, but I think I ultimately actually lean LeBron on this one. I- yeah. I literally wrote, I want to see the vote. <laughs> I want to see the voting results. Uh, LeBron led the series in box plus minus in our model at plus eight. AD was plus 6.5, not far behind. Um, AD scoring value was number one in the series. LeBron led in playmaking value. We talked about the Lakers having the best net rating with AD on the court. And as I said, I think that just the difference in my mind, if forced to choose, is my impression of how he was able to disrupt Jokic in ways that, I mean, maybe like only Draymond Green has been able to accomplish in the last three or four years. I don't know. I could see this one completely going either way. Let, let's check the Discord. Yeah, I'm excited to hear this. But yeah, ultimately, I think the, the playmaking aspect of LeBron took it over the edge to me, just because I see Davis as being much more of a play finisher. Holy moly. Mm. This is quite a result. Okay. Jokic got five votes. Oh! Yeah, they, I mean, see, they they lost this series in five. It was a closer series. But I, I appreciate continuing the spirit. I didn't tell anyone i didn't by the way just we probably should have said this uh two hours ago instead of at the end Uh, we did not provide any criteria for what it means to be conference finals mvp just the same way the nba doesn't we just sent out the ballots and let everyone vote Jokic gets five lebron james with 15 and anthony davis with 18 whoa so the discord in a near split vote uh, also goes with Anthony Davis. But they ultimately do it. Wow. I got to say, the Discord has been been pretty spot on so far. Yeah, and that one, even though that one's really hard and I can go either way and I don't really want to be forced to choose, the last series, I feel like we should just stop the podcast and just we don't ever need to acknowledge this series happened. I mean, Phoenix fans are probably mad uh, enough as it is at us, but I genuinely, Cody, Cody I, I don't know what to do with this series, this goes back to your question. Chris Paul has an insane game six, maybe the best game of his entire career to close out the Clippers. The Clippers don't have uh, Kawhi Leonard anyway, so we're not talking about like an elite high-level team. He misses the first two games, come back, comes back and plays the last four games, plays pretty well in three of them, amazing in the fourth one. 
no one else really stands out in series for the Suns. Devin Booker is a leading scorer, but he's got all kinds of efficiency issues and, you know, decision-making question marks and defense and all the other things you could kind of nitpick about his game. Um, DeAndre Ayton has a good series. He blips some of our leaderboards on the, on the Clippers side. Paul George has big numbers. I, I mean, I, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do here. Did you actually end up picking someone? Did you did you do it? I so originally when I finished my prep and my run through and all my rewatching of games and everything, I left this blank and before we started recording part 1, uh I put a name in. My my note to myself was this is by far the hardest one and it feels like it should be Chris Paul in spirit, but he missed two games. And to answer your question more directly, I don't look at that and say like, oh, okay, um, if the team had lost the first two games and then he came back, I'm just going to excuse that because it's a probabilistic thing. Like the way Chris Paul plays shouldn't really be heavily influenced by the other team getting cold or his team getting hot or whatever. So in this case, even extra weird is that the opposite happened. Chris Paul missed the first two games of the series. The Suns won them both. So Chris Paul was two, and he won two games, and the Clippers won two games in the four games that he played in the series. Uh, Add into the fact that he missed those first two games because of COVID, not even like a classic Chris Paul injury or anything like that. Feels like an exception or an excuse could be made. I don't know. That's the Sun side. On the Clippers side, um, I voted for Paul George for MVP of the series. Oh, wow. You did go with the Clipper. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just could not get around. So so a couple things to realize. The Suns won this series in six games. The point differential in the series was almost dead even. Phoenix was plus 1.6 in the series. Um, it's happened only a couple times in series we've discussed. The net rating leader, the on-court leader in this series did not belong to the Suns. It belonged to the Clippers. Reggie Jackson was plus 3.6. When he was on the court, I should actually mention there's a filter there. You have to play a certain number of minutes in each of these series to qualify. We're not just looking at like a guy who plays five minutes. So that's going to happen a couple more times in the East. It's happened a couple times in our really close series in the West. Um, Sabonis had it in 2000 for Portland and Doug Christie had it in 2002. It, It didn't happen for 19 more years and it happens here with Reggie Jackson. Paul George leads the series in scoring at 29 points per game. Uh, Paul George leads the series in augmented plus minus. Again, not a huge number. Um, DeAndre Ayton actually leads the series in box plus minus. He had a really nice series, but I get, I get a little. It's a little harder for me for like these finisher types, play finisher types, to really look at them. Ayton, eighteen points, fourteen boards, but you know he wasn't a monster defensively. Um, he had a really good series. I, I thought about voting for him. I could see voting for Paul. Uh, Booker, by the way, led the Suns in scoring at 26 points per game, but I alluded to that efficiency problem. 49% true shooting, uh, assist to turnover percentages almost equal, just did not, just statistically did not have uh, a very strong series on the Suns side. And so, with all that said, Paul George, Paul George had a crazy good game five. He had 41 points in game five. He was driving a ton of offense. I did rewatch a little of this series. Um, you know, 
three games in a row with over 13 boards. His not peak Indiana Paul George defense, but still the defensive presence. I just thought the totality of that probably made him the best overall player for six games in this series, but it's painful. I ultimately wrote down leaning George, but I remember when I was watching, especially in those first couple games, I felt like the defense, the Clippers' defense was bending towards Booker so much. I thought he actually ended up with more value because they mm. had to scheme a little bit more. So at the end of it, I started thinking, like, really, should I put should I put Booker down for this? But um, I considered Aiton for a second. But again, he didn't quite have that attention. He was more like the uh, um, like the the spout of the recipient of Devin Booker getting more defensive attention and being able to take advantage of those opportunities. So I thought I actually curved up Booker's value a little bit more because of that. It would be really clean if you could make it Booker, even with even with the poor efficiency, because he plays 41 minutes a game. Um, you know, he is the leading scorer. And if you get that like low efficiency Allen Iverson thing going on where you're where then creating a ton of offense and just driving everything the team is trying to do, you could see the argument there. But I don't know. The Suns didn't have a breathtaking offensive rating in the series. It was 114. And in 2021, that's, you know, a little bit a touch above league average. As we said, the Clippers, their best lineups actually looked like they were better on the floor than um phoenix's best lineup it's 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 one of the weirdest series i I couldn't imagine if they debuted the western conference mvps last year and and tried to figure out and pick who the heck was the was the series uh mvp in this one so i have no idea let's 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 go to the discord how how dare chris paul not play the full series by the way how dare him leave this on the table and make this decision so much tougher I, I think this is great that we're going to end on this. This is our most exciting Discord vote oh. in the entire 21 series we've looked at, or however many it's been, 22. Um, DeAndre Ayton, Paul George, Devin Booker, Chris Paul all get votes. Devin Booker gets five. DeAndre Ayton gets eight. It comes down to Chris Paul and Paul George. Chris Paul, Paul George. That's like a word ladder. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, what did you say earlier? You're leaning George? Yeah, I was leaning George. Yeah, yeah, leaning George. That's like a, is that, my original thought was like, is that a curious George sequel? (laughs) Leaning George? Or is that a Seinfeld reference? You're leaning George? We've been recording for too long. Um, The Discord winner of the 2021 Finals, Western Conference Finals MVP, by a vote of 13 to 12. Oh, wow. One vote. The closest vote we had and I believe the lowest vote winner we had with 13 votes. This is just impossible. I think it's fitting, Cody. They gave it to Chris Paul. They gave it to Chris Paul. Woo! They're not stuck with my philosophical conundrum of him playing four games. They can do whatever they want. So um, you have any comment on that before I recap? That's incredible. I'm so glad that actually I'm, I'm happy with the Discord community for this. So recapping the uh, 22 Western Conference Finals MVP winners, which will send right to Springfield. They'll put it right up on the plaque when you walk in the Basketball Hall of Fame, so it's nice and official. Um, (laughs) Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant. uh, Let let me do it by year. It's a little cleaner. 2000 is Shaquille O'Neal. 2001, Kobe Bryant. 2002, Shaquille O'Neal gets his second. 2003, Tim Duncan. 2004, Kevin Garnett. 2005, Manu Ginobili. 2006, Dirk Nowitzki. 2007, Tim Duncan gets his second. 2008, 9, and 10, Kobe goes for the three-peat. That gives him four. 
Dirk Nowitzki win, wins in 2011. That gives him two. Kevin Durant wins in 2012. Tony Parker, 2013. Russell Westbrook in a icky 2014 situation. Uh, then Steph Curry, 2015, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Takes five in a row. His five are the leader in the clubhouse before we get to the East. Anthony Davis, 2020. And Paul George, 2021. So Curry has five. Kobe has four. Dirk has two. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's two for Tim Duncan and two for Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, any Anything else that I've forgotten to say or that you need to say before we get out of here? This was quite the adventure to hand out the, uh, the Thinking Johnsons for this series. If you want to support this podcast, um, one thing you can do is leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps out a ton. If you want to directly support us, patreon.com slash thinking basketball, all the sort of series by series metrics we've laid out in, in this podcast and in part one are available there to subscribers at the right tier. Um, we also have additional content, uh, the Discord community, and a ton more. Thanks, as always, if you're still still listening after two-something hours, we're going to come back next time and do the Eastern Conference. We're going to see if Cody's brain scrambles, if I can call him a completely different name. We started with Kobe. By the end of this, he may, he may be Zion. We have no idea what's going on. Um, thanks, as always, for listening all the way to the end. And, of course, I hope wherever you are, You've enjoyed this one and that you're having a great day.